You're listening to the Bromsgrove Standard Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to this week's special Bromsgrove Standard Podcast. My name's Tristan Harris, I'm the editor of the Bromsgrove Standard and we've got a hustings episode for you this week. We were lucky enough to attend the event which took place last Saturday um, at the Bromsgrove Baptist Church. A big thank you to the Bromsgrove Churches Together, or Churches Together in Bromsgrove, as they like to be called, for organising the event. It was an, over an hour of fantastic debate with Bromsgrove um, sitting MP and Conservative candidate Sajid Javid. Uh, we had Labour's Rory Shan and Liberal Democrat Dr David Nicholl and the Green Party's um, um, replacement standing in for Kevin White. The event was chaired by... a. David Ford, he's a reverend, Reverend David Ford, and this is what happened. So before we proceed, can I just thank Paul uh, Lewis, who's organised everything to do with the logistics of this afternoon for us, and can you please show your appreciation to Paul in the usual way? Thank you. So hopefully everybody can see the panel that we have before us this afternoon. David Nicholl representing the Liberal Democrats, Rory Shannon representing the Labour Party, John Davis representing the Green Party, not the party constituents for this constituency but for Wire Forest, and Sajiv, of course, representing the Conservative Party. So thank you all very much for being here this afternoon. May we please proceed with the first question. Please could the candidates define the knowledge, skills, experience, trustworthiness and integrity that make them the best candidate here today? I'm going to invite each candidate uh, on a cyclical basis to answer each question in one minute, please. So, beginning with Rory. Right, uh, so I'm Rory Shannon. I'm the Labour Party candidate. Uh, I'm born and bred in Bromsgrove. I was born at Bromsgrove General. I've been educated here. Uh, I went to school in Aston Fields, and then I went on to South High School. Uh, I trained as a chef at Worcester Tech, uh, and I live locally. I live in Aston Fields. I work at Birmingham University as a catering manager, and I'm a keen trade unionist. Um, the reason I think I'll be best placed as a candidate and uh, my integrity and all the other bits and pieces that are in that question is because I really believe in what I say. I'm committed to our town. I've been a councillor here. Uh, I've stood for election multiple times. I'm on Stoke Parish Council now. I get involved in various community groups. I've been a member of the town Samba Band for 22 years now. I was still at school when I started. I'm more than happy to embarrass myself on a regular basis, whether that's in the carnival parade or with the band. Uh, I think whoever is elected to Bromsgrove needs to believe in Bromsgrove. It needs to be like a stick of rock. So if you opened me up, it would say Bromsgrove all the way through. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rory. Uh, thank you very much, and um, thanks uh, for organising this, and uh, thank you all for uh, attending. Uh, for me, I would say uh, three things, if I may. Um, you, first of all, my own sort of life experience, and that um, I wasn't born in Bromsgrove. I was born in uh, Rochdale. Bromsgrove uh, became my home, uh, but uh, I had a life where I relied my entire life on public services. They were my lifelines. I know that is for so many other people. It's one of the things that have motiv has motivated me to 
enter uh, uh, politics in the first place. Uh, before uh, that, you have to, uh, my education, and I saw the value of education as well. That's why it's one of the most important things to me. Uh, then uh, I, I, I started work in uh, business and finance and banking and had experience in uh, lots of different industries. And I think that's been helpful to me since I've been the Member of Parliament for Bromsgrove. And of course, uh, in those last nine years, because of the privilege that's been given to me to have been elected uh, by the residents of uh, Bromsgrove constituency, I've been able to work with thousands through my surgeries, through my street surgeries, through house meetings, through my jobs fairs and pensioners fairs and all of that to really, really understand what Bromsgrove needs. And I've never pretended to give every single person every single thing that they want. No one can do that. No one can promise that. But I've always listened and I've always tried my best. And if I, would, if I was re-elected, I would do the same. I would always try my best for the people of Bromsgrove. Thank you very much, Sadie. Thank you very much indeed. More difficult question for John to answer, as you're not our direct candidate, but have a go anyway. Okay, thank you very much. Um, yes, I'm John Davis. I'm parliamentary candidate for Wire Forest Green Party, and uh, I'm standing in for Kevin White today. Um, so, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for allowing me to stand in on, uh, instead of Kevin. Um, the most important issue facing us today, bar none, is the climate crisis. Everyone in the Green Party cares passionately about the climate. It will affect every single one of us. John, could you please save that for later in the, and stick um, to the question, please? I will. The reason you can trust Kevin to be your candidate is because he believes that in that passionately as well. Nobody is funding Kevin from vested interest perspectives. Kevin will be working on behalf of what he thinks are the most important moral decisions of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much. And finally on this one, David. My name is Dr David Nicholl. I'm not a professional politician. I'm a doctor, and the question is about trust and integrity. At the beginning of this year, I was invited by the government to advise about its no-deal plans for pharmaceuticals, and I realised they weren't safe. And I'm the only person that called them out, that called out that my patients and potential constituents in Bromsgrove were put at risk by this policy. And I was fed up with the misleading and, frankly, lies that were being told about this, things that none of us knew back in 2016. As a doctor, the first rule I have is when I make a mistake is I put up my hand, speak to my patient, and we try and work our way through. That has not happened. And that is why I'm here, as your second opinion, to give a real chance... I tried, uh, I tried to meet uh, Sajid earlier this year, wasn't able to happen, well here we are today. I'm here to challenge the fallacy that Brexit it, it will make us richer when actually it's going to cause harm, great harm to this country. So I'm standing up because I believe in the United Kingdom and I don't want to see a border down the Irish Sea being from Northern Ireland. I don't want, I want to... Thank you David. That's... A gentle reminder, please, to all the candidates to stick to the question and not be tempted, tempted to uh, depart onto one's favourite topic. As I explained before, the rest of the questions 
reflect the volume of questions received on a particular topic. So our next question is on climate change. Thank you. Do you, as an individual, does your party Thank you. So we'll continue uh, at one minute apiece, starting, please, with Sajid. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, I, I do accept uh, that this is one of the biggest challenges uh, that we face as a country, and uh, my party has long accepted that. We are considered a global leader in fighting uh, emissions and cutting emissions. Since 2010, we've cut our emissions by 30% as a country, which is a huge achievement, more than any other advanced country in the world. But of course, we need to go further. And that's one of the reasons why my party passed the legislation, which was uh, supported by all parties in the end in Parliament, to have a uh, target of at least by 2050 to become a carbon neutral uh, country. And that, and that, having that legislation in place now means that we can then do all the things that need to go along with that, which aren't straightforward, but it can be done in terms of more electrical car charging, for example, more renewable energy. Today, our renewable energy, for example, has gone up from 7% of total supply to 33% of total supply. That's over the last nine years. So we are going in the right direction, but we need to do a lot more. And to do all this, we need to keep the economy strong because we need to pay for these investments in things like carbon capture and storage and things, and that means there's no shortcut. We need a way to keep the economy strong, protect jobs, but at the same time uh, make sure that we become a quickly one of the greenest economies in the world. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, John, now is your chance. <laughs> One minute. <clears throat> We've got some answers. Um, surprise. The Green Party has been talking about the environment for over 30 years. We come to these things and nobody has listened. I know it, it, it's common with humans, unfortunately. We leave everything till the last minute. But for heaven's sakes, we shouldn't be doing that now with this very important topic. Sajid has told you some interesting figures there. There's a lot of information behind those figures. But with only one minute, less than a minute to go, I shall tell you we do have the answers. And if given the chance this afternoon, I would like to explain some of those answers to you. We know, for instance, that we only have to plant 500 billion trees to lock up the carbon for the past 25 years. So that's all it needs doing. Is my minute up yet? No. Oh, great. So we're also talking about energy efficient housing. And I would point out that in 2016, 10 years' worth of work of delivering energy efficient homes was scrapped by the Conservative Party in this country. In the time since then alone, people have gone, they could have been paying £100 a year for their heating. Instead of which they're paying much more. But it's not just the cost to those people buying the homes, it's the cost in carbon output. If we're going to be serious about climate change, we need to tell the truth, to coin a phrase. Um, it is now, John. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. David. Um, I'm 
I, I only joined the Liberal Democrats in July, okay, so I'm a newbie to this, but I have to say I've been extremely impressed uh, by their green policies. And indeed, um, uh, it, just in May, uh, Bromsgrove had three uh, Lib Dem councils, and one of the first things they did was introduce uh, a call a climate emergency in the council, and I think they should be congratulated for that. Um, but, also, but also at a national level, investing in renewable power to try and get 80% uh, of UK electricity from renewables by 2030. This is very much the direction we need to be seeing. So we need to build on what we're doing locally, but also develop this uh, nationally. And I think each of us need to look at the way we can change things. I mean, the things I'd like to see in Bromsgrove, they've got a fantastic station, but actually, how do you get from the station to the high street, okay, um, we need to be making it much easier for people to walk, cycle, um, you know, other ways of doing that. So actually I think there are exciting investment opportunities that we can to actually uh, build a green economy, which I do find uh, particularly exciting. And also from a health point of view, I was involved in the report, you heard this 40,000 deaths from air pollution, I was actually in the Royal College of Physicians reviewing that report. It's a game changer, it would be an honour for me to act as a legislator to try and implement those changes. Thank you very much. And so finally on this one, Rory. Okay, so I'm sure at some point Brexit will get raised. This election is not just about Brexit. All the parties that are present acknowledge that Brexit will be dealt with in some form or other within six months. What about the rest of the Parliament? We're on fixed-term Parliament Act. The key priority of the Labour Party is the climate. Uh, if we, this is our last chance to deal with it. Another five years down the line, it will be too late. So the Labour Party has pledged that we'll invest over £500 billion over the next 10 years. So 900 wind turbines, some of those onshore, some of those offshore. Solar panels in nearly 2 million homes across the country. We're going to create a Clean Air Act. Uh, we're going to look for a windfall tax to tax some of the most polluting of industries to reinvest that money back into the UK industry to create a green revolution. So uh, insulating homes will create jobs in itself. Um, there will be an expansion of the uh, uh, car charging networks, the national park, national park, sorry. So uh, Malvern is one of the suggestions that it becomes a national park, and then of course the tree planting programme. It's, it's imperative that we plant more trees if we're going to capture the carbon that's out there. And the Labour Party's got a very specific plan to do. And it might seem like a massive amount of trees, but it can be done. And it's the only way we're going to change things. Thank you, Roy. So we're going to move on to our next question. Um, so if the climate change got the most number of questions, it was very, very closely followed by the next question, which is on the NHS. The last 10 years have seen the NHS go backwards with increasing pressure on A&E. Chronic underinvestment, lack of social care, removal of nursing nurseries, and then Brexit. If you are elected, what are you going to do to help protect the NHS and ensure that we're still work for everyone in the future? Thank you, Nan. So I am going to invite, after this question, a supplementary. So you might want to begin thinking about that. But first of all, John, can you respond to that question on the NHS on behalf of the Green Party? Thank you. Um, the Green Party will invest heavily in the National Health Service. Um, we know we're desperately short of nurses, and certainly the bursary needs to be reinstated, um, free 
education for nurses needs to go in place. Um, yes, this is going to certainly um, be affected by Brexit, um, but something I, I think is very close to my heart, it, it's not just... OK. It's social care as well. We are throwing away and being inhumane to so many people. Sorry. Um, it's OK. I'll be all right in a second. Um, I, I know somebody taken into a care home. They're private care homes. They can't cope. The staff are demoralised. There's no joined-up thinking. This chap had an accident, fell, taken to hospital, checked out, no broken bones, he was fine, but he wasn't allowed, he had Alzheimer's, wasn't allowed home, had to be assessed. So, in our area, Worcester is where everything's done and they think they're the centre of the universe. All the local hospitals have be, been de-staffed to a, a large extent, so what happens? He's got to be assessed, so he's sent to somewhere they think is quite close. It's in Mulvern. My neighbour has to try and go an hour and a half to find him. It's inhumane. John, Thanks. thank you very much indeed. <laughs> so often these conversations uh, at public meetings can be devoid of the fact that we're talking about people. So thank you, John, though that was difficult. Thank you for reminding us that at the heart of this general election is people. So thank you very much indeed. So um, can we please continue with David? Indeed, it is absolutely about people. And um, I'm a working doctor. I've worked as a consultant neurologist at QE and City and Tandler Hospital for the last, uh, gosh, 17 years. Uh, the NHS is my DNA. I have never ever been so worried about the future of the NHS and this is the biggest election and I'm very worried by the direction of travel both with Brexit and also the Conservative Party. Just this week, um, and thank you to both the Bromsgrove Standard and Bromford Advertiser for reporting this, the Liberal Democrats did a freedom of information request on the number of um, EU staff that have left the two hospitals where I work in and over 300 staff have left this year so it is about people. And when I have to apologise, as I did last week, to a new patient with MS because they had to wait for a year, I, 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 I didn't know what to say, but actually, no, I, I don't need to apologise anymore because I'm here, and I'm here fighting for the NHS that we still need. The issue about drug prices, like Labour got the wrong idea about the uh, privatisation issue on drug prices, is actually an economic one, and there's a risk that the NHS could be bankrupted by a, an extra £500 million a week uh, for the drugs bill with a, with a Trump uh, post-Brexit deal in the US. Uh, and just rebranding as innovation to not use the word drug, frankly, Sajid, is not good enough. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> Rory. OK, so the Labour Party is the party of the NHS. We are the party that put the NHS together in the first place. We want to expand it. We don't want to detract from it. I'm very clear, very, very, very clear, 
that we will not be signing any deals with the American government. It doesn't matter what you've heard in the press about Trump isn't going to do a partnership deal or he doesn't want to get into the NHS. I think we all know the truth there. Um, I don't have the knowledge that David's got. I'm not a doctor. I'm a chef by trade. Uh, I've chopped various digits off at various points <laughs> of my life and ended up being casualty. So I see it from a very different point of view. I can see that the NHS is failing. The one bit of knowledge I have got is my partner is a, a nurse at the QE uh, in the cancer department. Uh, and so he sees day to day uh, the failings of the NHS and the struggles that the patients are having to get the care that they need. Uh, today he's working overtime in the main QE uh, to supplement his income because the wages are so low within the NHS, but also to fill the gaps where the NHS can't get the staff that it needs and deserves to be able to fully fulfil uh, the purpose that it was set up for. So the Labour Party wants to expand the NHS into a social care as well, but also with dentistry, to remove the, the first charge that you get with dentistry. Uh, dentistry, which will promote health. Instead of turning people away that can't afford that charge, it will bring them in. And dental health is a very important part of our health care as well. Thank you very much, Rory. Sajid. Yeah, thank you. The, the NHS is uh, very precious. We all rely on it, and, uh, and we need it to always be there, free at the point of use, world-class health care for all of us, whenever we or our loved ones are needed. I have nothing but admiration for all those people that work in the NHS, including Dr. David Nicholl uh, and, uh, and everyone else. The, the fundamental issue with the NHS, because we all agree, I think, on this stage, that it should be free at the point of use, and that is its most precious principle, because of rising demand, which has uh, been the case now, will always be people are living longer, which is a great thing, but it puts more pressure on the NHS. We have new drugs and treatments, and that requires more funding because we all want the best drugs. It needs money. It needs to be properly funded at all times. And that's a rising demand. It needs to rise in real terms. The only way we can afford to do that as a country is if we keep our economy strong. It's very easy for anyone up this, on this stage to say we're going to put a few hundred billion here, a few hundred billion there, but where's that money going to come from? A moment ago, Rory answered the question on green uh, in, in environment, saying 500 billion. 500 billion, that is four times the annual NHS budget. This money doesn't just grow on trees. We've got to earn this. Thank We've got so. to earn it as a country. And the, and the, and the only way we're going to protect our precious NHS is if we also protect our economy. And Sajid. on this stage, there's only a Labour Party choice or there's a Conservative Party choice. Sajid. Labour will crash the economy and with our NHS with it. A reminder to all the candidates that if I asked you to stop, that's precisely what I mean. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. Gentlemen in the middle, please. Wait, please, for a microphone. And if your question is directed at uh, a particular person, please make that clear. And if you could make your name a national name as well. Thank you. Hi. I'm Ben Stanhope. I'm a consultant at the Children's Hospital in Birmingham. Mr Javid, I found it, uh, I'm sure, not the only person who looked conspicuous that you failed to address two particular marquee pledges with three-word slogans that your leader waved a pamphlet at us last week at the manifesto launch. That was 50,000 more nurses, 40 new hospitals. Neither of those figures are true. They are both lies. You're funding 30,000 new nurses and hoping...
There are currently 30,000 new nurses hoping to retain nearly 20,000 who are already in, when 37,500 nurses leave the NHS every year, and there has been a drop in nursing uptake in terms of training since you introduced the abolition of the bursaries. Something that you also are now shouting So are you happy to stand behind those figures, or are you going to lie about them, or are you going to admit that your leader has lied about those figures in the way that you are lying about so many more things with three word slogans? Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm going to give you the facts, and the facts are that, that we that please, we have set out listen. with uh, the gentleman asked me about nurses that there are 280,000 nurses today, and at the end of the Parliament in five years' time, we want 330,000 nurses. That's the plan. That's 50,000 more nurses. That's what the Prime Minister said, and that's what that is, 50,000 more nurses. You asked me about new hospitals, so there's been refurbishment plans set in place now for 20 hospitals, that's refurbishment plans, and in terms of new hospitals, there's full funding for six new hospitals over the next few years, and seed funding for 34 new hospitals, and together that's plans for 40 hospitals with full funding for six. Please, that's, that's, uh, please, I, please I, do not interrupt, well, tempting though it is. Thank you. I've, I've answered your question, and I've answered it factually. Now, all of that, whether it's more nurses, whether it's more hospitals, whether it's refurbishment, it all requires money. It all requires funding. And the only choice that there is at this election when it comes to the NHS or any other public service is either a Conservative government that will keep the economy strong or a Labour government that will crash it. That's the only choice. That's the only choice. I'm going to control this... Please, sorry, I'm used, to, I'm used to being in school, and when I do this, the kids all put their hands down. So please put your hands down for a moment. I am going to control these conversations because we must keep to time. There was somebody over to my right who put their hand up very early. I'll take one more question on this before we move on to another very important subject. There's only one new hospital north, not even six. I simply, I'm sorry if I'm going to upset people by connecting two things together, and I think this is a problem in the general election. We do need to connect the things. Mr Javid, I know you campaign to remain. I simply do not see where the money is going to come from to support our NHS if we have no deal or a hard Brexit. Okay, I'm going, to stop you, I'm going to stop you there because that is a question about Brexit and we're about to move on to Brexit. I'm going to give David Nicholl the opportunity to reply to Mr Javid. Well, it does, it, well, it does matter. I mean, if you read this week's Private Eye, uh, Phil Hammond goes through the 40 hospitals issue and it's not even six hospitals, okay? It's only one new hospital. Um, the rest are essentially rebuilds, okay? Um, and it's 2.7 billion over five years for six upgrades, so it's not a new hospital, okay? The facts do matter, the maths matter, and this has been the problem throughout this campaign. If people can't trust the numbers, then they stop trusting a politician. So it goes back to the original question this is about trust and integrity, and we've got to agree on the maths. Thank you very much.
We're going to move on to a, uh, another very popular topic, and you can probably guess what's coming up next now. Thank you very much. This question begins with David. Thank you. Well, get Brexit done is probably the worst phrase we've had in politics since no deal's better than a bad deal. Like I said in my introduction, we made a mistake. That's not a criticism of anyone, okay? But no one in 2016 was talking about problems of stockpiling food, drugs, um, even, you know, I'm not making this up, but Stephen Hammond, Junior Health Minister, reporting that stockpiling body bags. No one is talking about this referendum. Um, and, you know, the Lib Liberal Democrats are promising a 50 billion re remain bonus by not going through all this shenanigans, okay? Um, and, you know, at some point it is, you just, I, I think of this Brexit as like an operation, okay? And 2016, we all signed a consent form. Boris promised to uh, £350 million pounds, uh, extra for the NHS and a bus. And we found out there's a few side effects and complications. And indeed, all the national surveys suggest that the mood has changed and that most people want to remain because they're fed up of the last three years of our is our chance for a second opinion from a different doctor. It's your chance to say we've had enough of this chaos. But yes, I think we, and that doesn't mean we're not going to be talking about this for years, because I think the emotions have been so toxic. Thank we you, need David. to address the issues. Thank you, David. Rory. Okay, so uh, I think it's fair to say that Brexit has become a bit of a mess. Uh, it's dragged on. Uh, I'm very clear that I voted Remain originally. Um, I think the Labour Party's stance now is an excellent way of solving the problem. So we've said that um, we've, we've, we've said that within six months we'll, we'll have Brexit done, but we've used a different terminology to put it there. Um, the Labour Party will renegotiate the deal, but it will be a deal that's centred around workers and climate change and, and uh, protections to our environment. Then the deal will be put to the public and there will be an option to take the deal or, or to remain as we are. And it, that will be very clear. That was the problem in the first place. People, um, the question itself wasn't helpful to the situation. Uh, I, as soon as the, uh, the vote was taken, I accepted the result. But we've gone on too long now. Uh, things have changed. Parliament has changed. The, uh, even the, the decision of the people, uh, I think, has wavered. And that is a form of democracy. I accept, I accept that. I accept, I accept that. And it's a trap. Please, please, please restrain yourself. <laughs> I know it's fun, it's tempting, it's a really, and it's also very serious. It's a really emotive issue, and I accept that, and hence why the Labour Party has come to the conclusion it has, that we will put it back to the people. Rory, we're not, we're, Rory thank you very much. Sajid. Yeah, thank you. 
In, um, in 2015, uh, Parliament voted to have a referendum and give this choice to the people. Every major political party voted for it. Every party represented on this stage, and they all said that it will be a decision for the British people. We had that referendum. As the lady, I think Nicola, mentioned earlier, I, I campaigned for Remain. I lost the argument. But I believe in democracy. It was the biggest ever turnout of any democratic exercise ever in our country. We asked the British people. They gave their instructions to the politicians. And now... And now... And now, and now the, the, the Lib Dems want to ignore it. They don't even want a second referendum. They just want to ignore it. And the, have you ever seen so much arrogance and disrespect for the British public ever than the Lib Dems who have the audacity to call themselves Democrats and just want to ignore the referendum as though it never happened? And as for Labour, I still don't know what their policy is other than having a second referendum. And that will never end the issue. If you have a second, there'll be demands for a third, a fourth, and a fifth. It'll never end. The best way no forward is to have Brexit Let's with a deal, to leave you. with Thank a smooth much. deal. Thank you. And we're the only ones to deliver that. I'm beginning to feel I always wish I was back in school. <laughs> There's a gentleman in the middle with glasses and white hair first, please. And then I'll take one other question. You did, I thought. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Thank you. John. Thank you very much. I saw it slipping away there. When it is important that you hear what I've got to say, Savid has just made the point that you can vote for the Conservative Party and a possible cliff-edge Brexit. Or for the Green Party. Thank you. <laughs> Look, we, one of the things we were asked was about truth, integrity, honesty. And can you honestly all say everything we heard in the referendum election was true and honest? Yes. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. £350 million for the National Health Service on the side of a bus. I think we all know now that was complete and utter That's because tosh. it's £600 million. It's a lie. It's £600 million extra week. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, where does that leave you? Okay, the Green Party position on it is that... In actual fact, on day one, after the referendum, Molly Scott Cato said... At the end of all of this, we should be allowed to have a choice. That's democracy. Um, I, I hear people saying it's undemocratic from over here. Would, would you like to know some other figures? No, John. We're Just out of over time. a quarter of the people voted for Brexit. Just over a quarter. So we are going to ignore everybody else. Okay? John, thank you very much. I'm going to take two questions. <laughs> Gentlemen, I uh, was rather too prompt with earlier. Thank you very much. And then the woman towards the back who's waving at me. That's very nice. Thank you, Mr. Over there. Chairman. Uh, Sir Jarrett has told us that the result of the referendum was binding. He said people have instructed us. That is not true. It's quite clear from the government's own website that this referendum was not binding. Referendums in Britain cannot be binding. That is the law. They are advisory. Uh, the government has consistently repeated, as have other parties, that... 
They have not. They have advised it. It is then for Parliament to take the decision, and your government, Mr. Javid, tried to stop Parliament from voting on the issue. So tell us what you do. We'll take the second question as well, and then I'll invite the panel to respond. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Mandy Charles, and I'm the PPC for the Brexit Party, who stood down. So I wish you could join that panel, but I'm not at the moment because my party, the country before party, which yours, has not done. And you saying now you make yourself out of lever. Absolutely not. You voted three times to put Theresa May's appalling deal through, where your own boss, Boris, had called it a vassalage and we would be in a slave state. And I would say to all of you, on the Brexit debate, we have all simply forgotten 17.4 million people... Thank you very, thank you very much. Have you got a question? <laughs> Could you ask the question that you want yes. the panel to answer and do so as a constituent and not as a representative of a party? Thank you. That's fine. That's no problem. I would like to say to Saki, in this transition period we seem to be going into now, with no voice, no veto and no vote, how are you going to guarantee that the EU, we've already said that we like our fishing rights, thank you very much, and freedom of movement before we get up? Free trade deal. How are you going to guarantee that your government doesn't hand over every single thing they ask for as you continue to do for the past four years? Thank you very much. I'm going to invite uh, Sadid first of all to answer both those questions. Yeah. So just a reminder that the first one was on yeah. the legal status of uh, referendum or plebiscites in this country, and then the second question, as you've just heard. Thank you. Uh, the, the gentleman asked that question. He's both right and wrong. The, the bit that is right is that you cannot have referendums in our country uh, that are binding. And that is why when that referendum vote took place, and I was there in Parliament, uh, that uh, it was set out and agreed at the dispatch box by all the political parties, all the representatives of all the major, certainly the Labour, Lib Dem and um, the Conservative parties, that uh, they will be bound by the result no matter the outcome. And not only did they say that in Parliament, they said that again and again during the actual referendum when it was taking place. And to then invite MPs to ignore what they've said, the commitments, that is exactly what we don't want. We want politicians to keep their word. If they've said it's going to be binding that we want them to stick to it. And, and if I can, and then just the, the sort of second you. aspect of that question, the, the, this is a deal that we have reached uh, with the EU. It allows us to leave within weeks if Conservatives get a majority. We can put this behind us and move forward as a country and leave with a deal. There is no prospect of a cliff edge. There is virtually no prospect of a no deal. We have agreed the exit arrangements and we've agreed the principles of a future arrangement and it allows us to move forward as a country, do Brexit, but focus on so many other things that are important to this country also. I'm going to invite David to come in in a moment because he's put his hand up. But can you just clarify for me, Sajid, are you saying yeah. that the 31st of December next year is not a cliff edge? 
it's it's a, if we have a conservative majority, we will leave with a deal, and it won't be a cliff edge because we will leave with a deal. So the just this is just for me to get clear yeah. in my head. So in relation to the trade agreement that needs yeah. to be forged by the end of next year, you believe that's achievable? Hundred percent, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. David Nicholl, please. Um, I, um, as I said earlier, I'm from Northern Ireland, and in fact, if we look at the Good Friday Agreement, which is an exemplar about how to have a referendum, everyone in Ireland had a copy of the Good Friday Agreement. They knew what they were voting on. They've even the DUP voted against it, okay, but um, they voted on it, and a wonderful success. The problem has been with Brexit, as we've eloquently heard between the Brexit Party and Sajid, we don't agree on the destination. And congratulations to Sajid and the Conservatives, because just this week on Newsnight, I saw something I thought I'd never see, which was every political party in Northern Ireland agreeing just how bad Boris's deal was. Thank you. Thank you, David. Roy, do you want to contribute? Please do not heckle. Please do not heckle. Thank you. Rory. Okay, so I, I don't think that was a question directed anyway. I think that was a bit of a rant from the former Brexit candidate in the corner there. Um, so to answer, answer the question from in the middle. Um, Quite, please, okay, still please. carrying on, right. Could I, could I remind all the candidates of what... Uh, Paul invited us to do at the beginning of this session is to remember we're in a church. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, so to answer the question in the, in the middle, but I think that was directed at Sajid, but I'll have a crack at it anyway. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, uh, referendums in, in the UK aren't a legally binding uh, uh, form of democracy, but they are a form of democracy, and we have to listen to people when we do ask a question. The problem was, the question that we asked in the first place wasn't the right question to be asking. We should have, we should have, we should have a very clear uh, idea of what was going to happen if we left the EU. So the facts were on the table. What, like David said, with the Good Friday Agreement, when people voted on it, they knew what they were voting for. It wasn't just a paragraph or a catchy phrase on the side of the bus. So politicians have to take a bit of responsibility and the Conservative Party, who put the question in the first place, for the question that was asked and the mess that we're in. But we have to find a way out of here now. And that's why I do support the Labour Party's policy over putting the deal that we will, we will do with the European Union when we form a government back to the people so the people have a really clear choice of whether we're going to remain in the EU or take the deal that the Labour Party will do with the EU. Thank you very much, Rory. I'm going to invite John to respond to all of this and then we'll move on to another very, very important topic. John. OK. Anybody that listens to Radio 4 might have heard the Reef Lectures, where it was explained about representative democracy. When you have democracies, you generally have a representative democracy or the other kind, where you have endless referenda. Um, in this case, I think the past 10 years have just been one mistake after another. It, it's, it's almost like somebody saying, come with me, leading you into the middle of the desert and saying, do you want to go left or right? Um, it, it's, the whole thing is based on trying to save the Tory party from people joining the Brexit party or UKIP or whatever. Um, 
nobody could agree on what Brexit was in the first place. Even Theresa May said, Brexit means Brexit. It sounded wonderful and catchy and we all had a good laugh, but what did it really mean? Um, no, I, I think it would be quite democratic um, to say to somebody, here's Boris's deal. Do you want that or do you want to go? Um, or Theresa May's deal. Um, our, our MP, uh, I told you I come from Wire Forest, um, our MP voted for Theresa May's deal and he's voted for Boris's deal before he even saw it. He Thank told you, us it was good. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, OK. okay. Thank you very Sorry. much. <laughs> We're going to move on to our next topic, which has been mentioned uh, a few times in a number of different ways already. Nan. All parties in this election are promising increased public spending. How will your party pay for this extra funding without <laughs> And for this question, we're going to start with Rory. Okay. So the Labour Party's uh, manifesto that we've put out, uh, the, the front cover, it's time for a, a real change. We're, we're planning on taking the country in a different direction. The country is underfunded everywhere. All, all tonight we spoke about the NHS or climate change. If we're going to make radical change, we need money to do it. So we're very clear that everybody in society should be paying their fair share. Now, we, we've got uh, quite specific plans to raise taxes for the people that can afford to it, uh, pay for it. So the top uh, percentage of the country. If we're going to make this country change, we need to finance it. And people have got to pay more. So this business of uh, rich billionaires moving overseas if a Labour government comes in, so be it. If Jim Davison wants to leave the country or Alan, uh, Alan Sugar wants to move somewhere else and invest their money into a faraway tax exile, so be it. I want a fairer society, and I want a fairer society for all. And if we're going to do that, we've got to pay for it properly. So the Labour Party will invest money into the country, and it will, it will mean that, that, we, that money might have to be borrowed, and we're very clear on that. Okay. Thank you very much, Rory. Sajid. Yeah, thank you. Since 2010, we've had a decade of recovery. Today, we've got more people employed than ever before in our history. We've got the lowest unemployment rate in 44 years. We've got wages rising faster than inflation. None of that happens by accident. It happens when you've got a government that has the right economic policies and when, uh, people, when the hard work of the British people is paying off because they've helped put in that recovery. We are at the risk now of squandering that recovery by going backwards to a 1970s socialist labour policy that has always destroyed our economy. You've already heard Rory Eller talk about 500 billion on green policies. They've got 300 billion planned for national, wasteful, completely wasteful nationalisations. Other, other pots of funding, 200 billion here, another 100 billion there. It all adds up to more than a trillion. According to the IFS, Spending with Labour would be totally out of control. And when they say the top 5%... Could everybody... Be, could we have some quiet, please? If, if we can have some quiet, please, I'd like to remind Sajid of the question, which is not your views on other parties. It's how are you going... Well... We're going to keep the economy strong 
by making sure that, first of all, that we are always on the side of business, because it is business, whether it's large or small, that creates the wealth in this country, that eventually generates the taxes that pays for our public services. There's no shortcut to that. If you want more spending on public services, then you need to grow the size of the pie and take a small slice of it, rather than letting the pie fall in size and taking a bigger slice, because that always leads to economic crisis. And the choice of this election, economic strength with the Conservatives, economic crisis with Labour. Thank That's you very it. much, Sajid. We won't be taking questions on this quite yet, because otherwise I might forget a member of the panel again. John. Thank you. It's great to hear the old pie analogy again. That, that really... That really is good. Um, good, thank you. <laughs> youth centres closed, libraries closing, councils underfunding, bus services. We're in dire need of more buses to get people, as my friend over there said, from the railway station to the houses. Um, real wages in this country are now less than before the economic crisis. All of this is success. What the, Green, what the Green Party would suggest is a complete change in the way we're doing things. We've got a climate crisis. We've got to do something about it. And yes, we need to spend some money. And borrowing some money is part of that. But you borrow money when you get a mortgage for a house. And in the same way, we need to put this country back together again. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. <laughs> and finally, David. Um, I'm glad that uh, Sajid referred to the uh, uh, IFS report because, in fact, it pointed out that neither of the Tories or Labour, uh, Labour have a credible uh, plan for the economy. Uh, and, in fact, the Lib Dems, with their £50 billion remain, uh, bonus by not uh, squandering the money that we're doing in all this planning. I mean, for example, £3,000 being spent by small businesses just on New Deal planning is having an economic uh, impact. And we're not promising unicorns, the Lib Dems, whereas both Labour and, and Conservatives are. Um, we're being realistic that people, you know, uh, maybe it's my fault, doctors like me making people live longer means they've got more things to do. We need the social care, which is why we're realistically saying we need to increase income tax by a penny in the pound, uh, which will raise an additional £7 billion to go towards uh, the NHS, to go towards social care. Um, there is, uh, Boris promised uh, to solve the social care crisis and it doesn't really get a mention in the Conservative Manifesto. Um, we, we really have to deal with these problems and that extra money to help deal with the ageing population um, and to deal with the public services are, are the things that really matter um, rather than this complete Brexit fixation um, which is a distraction on the climate emergency and, and indeed everything else. Thank you, David. If we can, we'll take two questions. First of all, this lady in the front, please. Um, first of all, I'd like to point out that the average earnings are still below two pounds a week than they were in 2009. Can you move swiftly to a question, please? Okay. Uh, some comments about IF. No, to a question, please. They don't estimate the macro could I, could I have your question, please? Could you ask the question? And yes, they don't do macro or system-wide consequences. So how do you know the future debt burden 
if you can't consider the impact on GDP? Thank you very much. Sajid, I think that was, was that directed yeah. at Sajid? Do you want, okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, can I uh, just say there, there is no remain bonus. That, that presupposes that uh, the uncertainty over Brexit would end. And I think Dr. Nichols knows that if you just cancelled the referendum, then uh, you would still have lots of uncertainty. The only bonus there is is a deal bonus. And uh, in terms of uh, the, the G impact of debt and GDP, the question for the lady, that um, no one knows what the future growth path of the economy is going to be. No one knows. You, you get three different economists, you get four different views. But the, the best way to suppose that is to take the official forecast of the independent OBR, and the, their economists will come up with the, what are the official sort of government forecasts. And in our uh, costings, we've assumed the official <laughs> forecasts uh, that they have done, and we have set that against our spending plans, and it shows that debt will be lower at the end of Parliament than it would be at the start of Parliament. With Labour, it's completely out of control and heads in one direction. Thank you very much, Sajid. I'm going to... Because Sajid's response was uh, targeted at Rory, I'm going to ask Rory to respond, and we're going to move on to our next subject. OK, well, it was to respond to the first comments, actually. So Sajid mentioned about uh, record employment. What sort of employment is it? We've got people in work poverty now, having to do two or three jobs. All the dreaded zero-hour contracts. The Labour Party outlaw zero-hour contracts. There's a very small percentage of people that like them. The rest don't. They've got no opportunity to go and work anywhere else, so they have to do things. And then you mentioned nationalisation. About 63 to 65% of the population support the renationalisation of the railways. It's been a failed project. It won't cost hardly anything. When the contracts come to when the, con, when the contracts come, when the contracts come to an end, they will go back in house. It's already been done, and it's been successful on the East Coast Main Line, where the companies that were running those contracts weren't successful. As soon as they went back in house, the, the railway there was booming again. And your government is responsible for that. We Rory, look at the Royal Mail; it's failed. Rory, it's thank failing. you very much. We need to move on. We don't have that much time this afternoon. We have a lot of important subjects to cover. So, Nan, would you please read the next question? Education. What would your policy do to reverse the damaging and limiting impact of cuts to education budgets over recent years that are leaving our schools under-resourced, struggling to uphold high levels of education with top quality staff? and unable to meet the rising demands of mental health needs and special educational needs in our schools. Sajid. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, since uh, 2010, we've got more than one million children more that are in good or outstanding schools, and that's a good thing. The level of uh, reading and writing and mathematical skills me as measured internationally by the OECD is up significantly since that time. And we've got more choice for parents in terms of both free schools and academy schools, including here in Bromsgrove. 
uh, and uh, a general improvement in many other schools. So I say that because the question presupposes that uh, things haven't gone well since 2010 and lots of parts of education has improved. That said, a lot more still needs to be done. We need more funding in the system, and that is why in a spending review that I did a few couple of months ago, we allocated an extra £14 billion over the next uh, three years, including to Worcestershire schools, the £19.7 million extra. So it means schools like South Bromsgrove are getting 475000 next year, uh, North Bromsgrove 400000 These are all way above inflation rates. And it's that, and then also investing in teachers and their salaries and the equipment. And again, it needs a strong economy. There's no easy answer to this. We can't just say, let's put the money in but not think about how we're going to raise it. We have to keep the economy strong and then we can invest our schools. And lastly, can I also say, some people choose to send their kids to private schools. That's their choice. And if they do, that should be up to them. And you can't, as a party, say we're going to ban private Sajid, schools and we're going to put VAT on them, especially when in Bromsgrove they supply so many jobs to the district of Bromsgrove. Thank you very much, Sajid. come to what is the Labour Party's policy on private schools, perhaps in a minute, but first of all, John. The Green Party doesn't agree with private schools and academy education. Science, um, sorry, research studies have shown that the overall standard of ability rises with mixed ability kids. Everybody grows at different rates, but certain systems put in so that you're expected to reach a certain standard by a certain date. This isn't true of everybody, and so many people end up disadvantaged because they've gone to the school that, you know, that's not the academy, um, and they never recover from it. Overall, the country, everybody, will benefit from a better health system, and the Green Party would invest in that, unashamedly. Thank you very much, John. David, education. Thank you. Education is something very passionate to my heart, and one of the things I'm very proud about the Lived End policy is uh, trying to improve the starting salary for teachers to £30,000 and increase all teachers' pay by at least 3% per year throughout the Parliament, and introduce a clear and properly funded entitlement to uh, high-quality professional development for all teachers, up to 50, uh, up to 50 hours uh, per year by 2025, um, and also on childcare uh, improvements from 9 to 24 months of paid childcare, which would be great for young families with um, you know, parent wants to go back to, to work. Um, and I think there has been a real problem in Worcestershire. Um, schools across Worcestershire have missed out on £41 million pounds between 2015 and 2019, um, and that has had a devastating effect. And indeed, the Children's Society report reported that um, there had been cut in youth services of 46% across the county. Um, so I think um, it's time for a change, and I think the Lib Dems provide a real positive change. Um, and, you know, because we have, I'm sorry, the Remain bonus is real, it is real money, unlike Sajid, who never published the risk assessment on his Boris deal. Thank you very much, David. Rory, education. Okay, so I think at the start I mentioned that climate change is probably the most key important thing for me at this election. The second most important thing would be education. So the Labour Party has said that we'll create a national education service. The academisation of schools across the country clearly hasn't worked. There are some schools that have been highly successful, but there's plenty of others that aren't and are failing. And we've got some of those in our area in Worcestershire too. 
We need a properly funded education system and an education system that's open to all, not just on the postcode that you live in or your ability to pay for education too. So just to clear up the myth that I think Sajid tried to create there, is there is nothing in the Labour Party manifesto, which I've got here, to say that we are going to ban private schools. What we do say is that they put, should pay their fair way. So they are operating as a business, and therefore they should pay proper business rates. So we will remove the charitable status from private schools because they're not a charity, they're a business. That's the whole strategy of their operation. Why should they not pay tax like everybody else? It does, it's a no-brainer. Rory, thank you very much. I don't see any hands up to ask any questions. <laughs> Lady in the front, I'm colour blind, but I think you're in red. Thank you very much. I think David would like to come in on that and then Rory. I, I think it is important and um, in fact recently I met with uh, a group from the Special Educational Needs and Disabilities and was really struck by uh, how hard a deal they have had and, and certainly in the uh, Lib Dem manifesto it specifically says that there should be uh, funding by allocating additional cash to local authorities to have the amount the schools pay towards the costs of uh, child's education, health and care plans specifically for um, the, the same group and I think that's improved, you know, every child matters. Um, and it's very clear to me that uh, in Worcestershire it doesn't feel like every child matters. Thank you very much. <laughs> Briefly, Rory, then we're going to move on to okay. other subjects. OK, I'm sorry I missed that bit out of the question. It is highly important, and the Labour Party will fund special educational needs. And I speak from first-hand uh, experience here. I'm dyslexic. I was born in 1980. My period through school wasn't the most successful period of my life. I wasn't suited to the way I was taught, and perhaps the way I was taught was not suitable for me as well. I was educated in Victorian schools with leaking roofs with oversized classes. Unfortunately, I didn't see the benefit of the Labour government that come in, but you only have to look around Bromsgrove, and nearly every school has either been rebuilt or recited. Now, the funding method wasn't right, and I'll get that cleared up straight now, but the point is... We acknowledge that there was a problem and we dealt with it. Thank you, The Rory. Labour Party will fund special education Thank needs you, properly and we're going to open a thousand more short Thank centres. you very much. A very... <laughs> a very brief word, Sajid, before we come on to some very yeah, just issues. Yeah, uh, just to say, I think the, the lady's absolutely right uh, uh, on this issue, that I think that for many years now, that as a country, we just haven't been good enough in diagnosing, spotting and doing enough about children with special education needs. I've seen that myself as a constituency MP for many constituents. I think there's a role for central government, there's a role for local government. It's one of the reasons that a couple of months ago I allocated £780 million more extra next year to special education needs. It's the biggest increase in 10 years because of the issues my constituents brought to me and I made sure there's more money in the system. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you.
I'm afraid we're going to have to skip the next question because I do want to get on to some very local issues. So the local issues question, please, Nan. Okay, so this question is specifically designed to tie the candidates down to what they really consider important for Bromsgrove. So I'm hoping we will get one item each. David. I'm going to try and link them all, actually. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier about the A38 and traffic congestion, because that links into air pollution, it links into health. We need to have... Um, an integrated transport system to encourage more people uh, for walking, cycling, um, and that also deals with the, the climate emergency issues as well. So um, I think uh, anyone in Bromsgrove who's been stuck in the A38 in a traffic jam, uh, I hope, would welcome that uh, kind of agenda, basically. So we, we really need to get... Uh, but that also relates to infrastructure to, to improve those aspects. Thank you, David. The candidates are speeding up, which is brilliant. Can we move on then, please, to Rory? Um, it's really hard to pick one, but I suppose infrastructure would be the, the key priority. So with housing, we should have the right infrastructure in place before the houses are built. So if we're going to build along Perifields, which will eventually happen, making sure that the developers pay for the Western Bypass. Railway services, well, having the right infrastructure to deal with the railway station. So like David said, a fully integrated transport network. So making sure we've got the right bus routes. There's a clear mile between the station and the town centre, but no cycle routes. Why? Um, if you get that right, you can deal with air po uh, pollution to a certain extent, and yes, sporting provision, it's really important, and if we build more houses, making sure we've got the right infrastructure there, so it's not just roads, doctors, surgeries or schools, but it's playing fields and, and, uh, and sports facilities as well. Thank you very much. Sajid. Look, I think that um, first, jobs and opportunities are important. Uh, we have you know, just over 2% unemployment in Bromsgrove. We can't take that for granted. We've got to keep working hard for that. It's one of the reasons I have my annual jobs fair. I agree with what's been said on uh, infrastructure as well, the importance of that, particularly the A38, uh, train services, uh, but also uh, things like fibre optic connections. We are one of the few uh, towns in the, in the country that is being picked by Open Reach as a fibre uh, city, a fibre uh, town, and that means everyone will have a fibre connection within a year if you haven't got it already. I'm not sure what's going to happen to that if it's all uh, nationalised, but um, that's, uh, that's something to look forward to. But the thing, you said pick one, but the thing I'd actually pick is uh, public services, world-class public services. Uh, public services were my lifelines, and I think for people that having the a NHS that they can rely on, having good schools, as we've talked about, and uh, having policing, and if peace officers, this is all hugely important, and I would pick world-class public services. Thank you very much. John. Um, <clears throat> as an ex-youth worker, one of the things that I've seen is the decimation of youth services in the country. Um, I don't live in the Bromsgrove area, but I'm guessing you've seen youth clubs close? Um, but we're also really worried about young people's crime, and then we're looking at the prisons, and, and just there's just a knock-on effect right the way through. We need some joined-up thinking here. It's not all about the money today. Um, 
one, one, I'll take going from the list here, I think one of the other most important things, if we're linking this to climate change, is that we should have, I'll say it again, energy efficient homes. We can build homes now that will only take £100 a year, a year to heat. We should be building, council should be empowered to have council houses, sorry, build council houses for the young people and the elderly. So that, uh, and, and it's also been proven in other countries that have got decent housing, that the, 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 the amount of people needing to use the NHS comes down as well, because if you're in drafty cold housing, you end up getting more ill. Once again, it's joining up the thinking, isn't it? Thank you very much, John. We've time for two more questions before we have to sum up. And the next question is about community cohesion. Thank you. Residents of Bromsgrove are subject to racial abuse, discrimination on the grounds of sexuality and gender identity, domestic violence, and economic exploitation. What steps will you take in this constituency to advance social justice and community cohesion for all our residents? Thank you very much. Rory. Okay, so for the last 20 years, I've been involved in various LGBT groups uh, around the West Midlands and a, and a further afield, campaigning for LGBT rights. Um, I've attended various hate crime groups uh, around the county. Um, I've been a, played a key interest in, in all sorts of social cohesion. And as an MP, I see it as your role to pull together the community. Um, as far as sexual and, and gender identity, um, I attended a, um, a trans uh, memorial at uh, St John's Church uh, only last week. Um, I just, it's, if, we're, if we're to move on as a society, we've got to find a way of working together as a people. Uh, it's events like this, I suppose, that play a part in it, where we listen to other people's opinions and people are able to express them in a, in a way that uh, we can all come together. Um, if we're going to move forward as a society, we've just got to get on and be nice to each other. It's as simple as that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sajid. Um, look, I've suffered racial abuse many, many times. I still get it every single day. I'll get some later today on, on, on the social media and things. Uh, you get used to it. You shouldn't have to get used to it. No one should have to put up with any kind of abuse of any kind, whether it's racial, it's religious, it's based on sexual orientation, gender, anything. And, uh, and I think, uh, if I think back to my childhood, I think we've come a long way as a country and we've got a lot to be proud of, but we're still not there. You know, there's still a lot more we need to do. There's still too many people suffering from such abuse uh, in our country. I wish there was an easy answer. I've tried to think about it a lot. I was community secretary for a while. I was home secretary and try to think about these things. We've done things. We encourage more reporting, uh, more action by police, higher sentences. Uh, but that's not the best way, I think. It, it, that's important. But we need to better educate people, better understanding of each other. I've seen some of the work that Rory, for example, alluded to on LGBT rights. I think you've done some excellent work. I've seen and I've actually been to some of the events that Rory has spoken at. And uh, I think that's uh, important as well at the local level. So I, I think, and I think we're all united on this, uh, uh, the, you know, up here on the stage on this, I think it's one of those things that should just bring people together, there shouldn't be any political differences, and we all got to recognise there's a problem in society, and it's incumbent on all of us to do something about it.
John. Thank you. What if, when you look into what's actually going on, you know, who are the people that feel the need to have a go at somebody else, whether it's because of their colour, their um, beliefs, or, or their gender identity, or whatever else? What, what, what's, what's, the, what's at the root of that? And I believe we actually all know it, we just don't focus on it much. Disadvantaged people, disempowered people, People that are disenfranchised, they feel lonely. They haven't got a lot to lose. We need a society where, people, where everybody feels valued. So cutting youth clubs is clearly not a good idea. Youth workers do very valuable work. Cutting libraries, once again, that's not a good idea either. Um, when we're looking at social justice, we don't need an us-and-them society. Unfortunately, as today shows, we're getting more and more polarised into us-and-them societies. That's the norm these days. That's what people expect. If anybody here knows about Maslow, John, you know thank that you very the much. baseline of thinking is belonging. And if you can belong by having a go at that guy or blaming that guy, whatever they are, then that's what you'll start to do. Thank you, John. Thank you. Good question. It um, makes me think back to my roots, because uh, I grew up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, and um, uh, there was certainly plenty of bigotry then. And, uh, you know, when we had uh, Paisley at the time, you know, saying save Ulster from sodomy campaign, um, and I have to say I was really deeply worried at the events in Birmingham and the Anderson Park School, and I'm very glad to see that the courts came down to stop that kind of uh, bigoted protest, basically, because... The reality is this, that we are all stronger together if we act for the most disadvantaged in our communities. Um, that is really, I think, the bronze globe I want to see. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been terrible events, um, you, know, you know, in the last 24 hours. Um, but I thought the, the thing that really said it all was the Polish chef with the narwhal's tusk. Um, you don't write a uh, script for something like that. Um, and really, it, it says that's the best of this country, um, and I think actually standing up for, for human rights, as I've done for Amnesty and Reprieve for many years, uh, um, is actually what makes me uh, keep going. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> we have to move to our final question now, and it brings together the questions that we all have about housing with young people. Prices and the lack of social housing. What will you do to provide a more secure future for the young people of Sajid. I think that um, housing is, is, is one of those big issues now for a number of years because, as a country, a lot of under successive governments, we have just not built enough homes. Uh, back in uh, 2010, we'd built the lowest number of homes since the 1920s. We've had huge improvements since then. Last year, we built the highest number of homes in the last 30 years, but it's still not enough as a country. 
and um, and and we can do it. And the way to do it, it is in these action on many fronts. There's no single answer. I wish there was a magic bullet. There's not. You need to have enough land in the right places where people actually want to live. Uh, you need to uh, make sure uh, that you're paying properly for the infrastructure that needs to go when it create when you create the demand on local services. That's why I created the housing infrastructure fund, which Bromsgrove has benefited from a lot uh, as well. And with some young people, you can give an extra helping hand with things like the Help to Buy program by cutting uh, stamp duty for 95% of first-time buyers, which has happened. Uh, but this is a, a long-running issue, and the only way is to be on the side of the market and get the market to build these homes. Social housing plays a huge role. The housing associations, I think, much, they're best an excellent thing. So do councils. Thank you. John. Oh, thank you. Um, you're going to expect me to bang on about housing again, aren't you? Um, energy efficient homes, of course. Um, it's housing and young people. And a secure future. How are we going to have a secure future if we've got a climate crisis? We've got to avoid that. We already know, scientists have proven that by... I, I've heard other members of the panel talk about carbon capture, um, those sort of things. By far and away, the biggest way to avoid catastrophe is planting trees. You can check it out yourself. OK, so how are we going to do it? OK, thank you. That's not... I've got the answer. It's not quite on the topic. Oh, it is, because young people... Growing, uh, you can't have a forest without it being managed properly. My son is a forester. Thank um, you, John. He's rewilding. Thank you, John. I, I thought, Rory. I got... So there's jobs in forests, guys. Where do they live? And they're going to live in the houses. Oh, I can tell you where we're going to put the trees as well, if you want John, to know. John, thank you. We need to be very brief. OK, so I'll make it as brief as I can. So the, the key to solving the housing problem is to build houses. Uh, let's, re let's just remember Let's well, just remember why we're struggling with social then? and affordable housing in the UK. It's because the Tories sold them off, and your party have been in government for quite a period of time with the Lib Dems as well, although I'm guessing you were a Labour Party member when in coalition anyway. <laughs> Where are the houses? Why haven't they been built? The Labour Party will build 150,000 council and social houses a year. And be very clear, I said council houses. The key to solving this problem is by having properly affordable social housing, and we've got to legislate to do it. Our local council, at every opportunity, Rory. tries to talk developers out of building social housing in our town. Thank you very much. Equally briefly, David. Clearly, we do need to build more houses, but also we need to deal with homelessness. And, and um, I think it's a disgrace. Um, uh, although the level of homelessness is maybe less in Bromsgrove than elsewhere, but I get fed up at times going into Birmingham, walking from New Street and seeing um, people uh, with no home. That's not something I saw 10, 15 years ago. Um, and the Lib Dems we, will decriminalise uh, homelessness. So we, we need to deal with that. We, um, and also... We need to deal with poverty. Um, a, a report last week showing Resolution Foundation suggests that Lib Dem policies will lead to 600,000 fewer children in poverty. Well, you need to be at home. Um, if, uh, you're more likely to be homeless if you if you are poor, basically. So yes, we need a working economy. Um, and uh, go back to the IFS report in terms of the Lib Dem having credible uh, economic policy to build a social housing, and um, so that we have less homelessness. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> Yeah.
We need, to, we need to wrap up. I'd like to ask each candidate, please, for their one word. I might allow two. One word that you would like us to think about as we prepare to vote a week next Thursday. One word, please. Sajid. You mean literally a word? Literally a word. <laughs> <laughs> two words, please. Two, then. Move forward. Thank you Not very backwards. Much. There you are. Thank you very much. John? 500 billion trees. 500 billion trees. <laughs> we'll debate how many words that is. Rory? Real change. Yeah. And finally, David. You guys have got a problem with mass integrity. the panel but especially our thanks to you because no public meeting like this makes sense without the public so thank you very much for coming thank you. Thank you. so i'm sure you'll agree some interesting debate there we'll be bringing you coverage between now and polling day in the paper and online as well. Um, so we'll have all the latest. We'll be bringing you policies of the parties. We'll be bringing you things that candidates are saying on different issues. So please keep up to date with us at bromsgrovestandard.co.uk and droidwoodstandard.co.uk as well. Just remember, please use your vote um, for whoever you think is going to best represent your interests. And to be fair... And that as a hustings, we've already had a letter this week um, saying that it was relatively, you know, calm and people were quite respectful to each other. Um, there was a, a couple of flashpoints, as I'm sure you've heard. But on the whole, people respected each other's point of view. And remember, we've all got to live with each other after December the 13th. So please be nice to each other and um, we'll see you the other side. <laughs>